0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is an accomplished indie artist and the founder of Modern Musician, an online educational platform that helps musicians create a sustainable income without even having to leave their home. We certainly need that right now. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.modern-musician.com. We are happy to welcome our guest, Michael Walker, onto the Break the Business Podcast. Hi, Michael. (laughs) <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, thanks for having me. Uh, that was excellent, although I think the Zoom audio might have interfered with that a bit, and uh, I didn't, we didn't get to hear it in full uh, bloom. How about, I'm, I'm going to keep myself quiet on the mic, and I want to see if we can get that in the clear again, because that was gorgeous. Yeah, break the business. The listeners have always said we need to update our theme song, so I'm starting to think that might be it right there. We're just going to sample that, auto-tune it a bit, and... And we're gonna be home free, and you know we'll send you your royalties there in the mail. All
1: right. Yeah, I was gonna say, great. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna be driving down the the street tomorrow. Turn on the radio. <laughs>
0: break the business. <laughs> like, that's well, kind of a short song. It's <laughs> this is actually very well timed, Michael, because before we talk about modern musician, I do want to talk about you as just a musician because I think there's an interesting story to be had there, and you sort of teed it up with your piano playing there. So, before we talk about modern musician. Uh, and having you give advice to our listeners i want to ask you about your own work as an indie artist you've spoken in the past about your work as a member of the band paradise fears and how you and your bandmates were able to go from living out of your cars to reaching number two on the itunes alternative charts that is that is a uh, a hero's journey right there that's like right out of a movie uh, t- can you talk about that journey what was it like how did you go from cars to charts
1: Yep, yep. It definitely was sort of a rags to riches uh, story. Um, when we first started out, we grew up in a town called Vermilion, South Dakota.
0: That and music, not bad. a whole lot of
1: people. <laughs> a whole lot of people live in Vermilion, South what? Dakota. Th- and that old cliche like a of
0: a Vermillion, South Dakota, uh, you know, rise. Just a, another one of those artists. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep yep so usually when i tell people i'm from south dakota they're like wow like people actually live there that's <laughs> wow but um yes yeah, so we so we all went to high school together and we, we started this band at high school and we worked really really hard to book our first tour and to leave south dakota and to go play these shows and we were really excited when we first booked we we're like oh, we're rock stars now we're gonna go play these shows it's gonna be awesome and i remember going out and, and playing these shows and then quickly realizing that uh when you When you book a tour, you actually need to get people to come out to the shows or else you're just playing to the bartender in the back of the room, (laughs) which is what we did uh, a ton on that first tour. And it wasn't sustainable. You know, we lost a lot of money. And at the time, we were living in our van, sleeping in Walmart parking lots. And I remember we'd go into Walmart and get like a big stack of flour tortillas and a big jar of peanut butter. And that was breakfast, lunch, and dinner for us was peanut butter tortillas
0: and delicious but also a little sad
1: delicious a little bit sad we also sometimes we throw a banana in there for Ooh. like you know variety but <laughs> we wanted to get really crazy we throw the banana in there if you but, packed
0: them in that night you're in the banana
1: <laughs> so that's right and you know the thing that really turned everything around for us was an idea that our lead singer had um which was you know there are six of us in the band and so the idea was what if we split up into groups of two and before you know, we, we were big we were big fans of bands like All Time Low, Blink-182, Mayday Parade, kind of this pop rock, pop punk scene. And, you know, they were super successful they had millions of fans. And before their shows, they would always have these huge lines that were just waited, waiting outside to go in. And like thousands of people, sometimes waiting like the day beforehand or for the morning of. And so our lead singer was like, you know, what if we approach these people and we just introduce ourselves and we have some headphones, we share some of our songs and use that as a way to, to grow our audience, to actually get people out to the shows. And so we started doing that. We split up into groups of two, and we started following other other bands' tours around the country, just in a, in a car, and and literally walking up to people and introducing ourselves. And I was like a super shy, awkward kid, so I remember when like walking up to people, I'd be stuttering and like shaking as <laughs> I introduced myself. And and really, really, what we found is just that it worked incredibly well. And I think the reason it works so well is because the people that we were meeting were the exact right people that we should be talking to and sharing our music with. They're the people that actually went out to shows, spent money at these shows. And we're like, when we told people that we were fans of this band, that we had music, then their ears perked up and they're like, Oh, awesome. And so we would introduce ourselves. We had about 30 second clips of our songs and they would listen to them. And if they liked it, then we had a backpack full of CDs that, that we would offer And we ended up selling 24,000 CDs, doing that in about four and a half months. Wow! And because of that, uh, one of the bands that that we were doing it on, and it's later what we've gone on to coin as tour hacking is is that idea of, you know, approaching fans waiting in lines. And uh, what happened was one of the bands that we were tour hacking on was called All Time Low. And they were one of our favorite bands of all time. They had millions of fans and they heard about what we were doing. And they decided to bring us on their next tour. And so all of a sudden we went from living in our cars to, you know, being backstage with our idols and like meeting them and being in celebrity shock and playing for thousands of people per night. And um, that really kind of snowballed into a career where we got to meet a lot of our musical idols and tour around the world. We released an album that, that hit number two on iTunes on the alternative charts. And we had about 24 million streams on on Spotify, and really like kind of reflect on everything. There there were a few different things that we did that I think really made a big impact. But probably the number one thing that I've ever done in my entire life was that was transformational. Was that the tour hacking and meeting people and learning to kind of overcome the fear of rejection that that came from doing that?
0: Well, all right, let's talk more about this tour hacking thing because I've never heard. About this technique before, nor have I heard this term before, and I kind of love both of them. Can we isolate that? Let's talk more about this idea of tour hacking. Like, you were, did I have it right? You were going up to music fans waiting in line for shows of artists that you know if they liked that band that they would probably like your band too. And so it was sort of having a captive potential audience, and then you would just go to the people waiting in line one on one to try to sell them on your band as well. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I can even at this point, you know, eight years later, I can still recite my pitch, um, just from from heart, from from meeting so many people. So I can actually share what I would actually say when I would walk up to people.
0: I am all ears. Let's do this. Okay, I am waiting in line for all time low. My favorite band. What are you hitting me with?
1: Yep. So we would always start out at the front of the line because the front of the line is where the most dedicated fans were. They've been waiting there the longest. For sure. Yeah. So I remember I would walk up to the front of the line and the first question I would ask is, like, hey, are you guys here for the all-time low show? And I know that they're there for the all-time low show. Of course they are, because they're waiting in line for the all-time low <laughs> show. But that's a good question to ask because it's like a kind of a no-brainer. It's like an icebreaker question. You really to easy start with them the yes. answer. <laughs> let's, them, let's, them know, let's them know that I'm it's the context of what I'm about to talk to them about is about all-time low. I'm not just some random, you know, like hobo on the street that's about to walk up and start talking to them. So they're trying to like, They'd be like, yeah. So they're like, oh, awesome. Um, Is it okay if I talk to you for a few minutes while you're waiting in line for the show? And I always ask that question first because, you know, you want to make sure you have people's permission before you start talking with them. Or else you might have some internal resistance and it just doesn't feel very good. And you want to make sure that that, uh, it's okay. And you have to deliver that question kind of like – you have like do it with like a smile like you, you if if you say it like too too weird then they might just be like no because i think you're gonna do something weird or <laughs> i think you're gonna like ask me for like i think you're gonna ask me for money or something so you know usually it would kind of be like the way that you position it um it makes a, a big difference but i would say probably 98 percent of people that we talk to would be like sure what's up so i'd be like awesome so my name's Michael. I play keyboard in a band called Paradise Fears. And basically, we're huge fans of All Time Low. And someday, we'd really like to go on tour with them. And we thought one of the best things that we could do right now is that you know, we noticed that before the shows, there's thousands of people waiting out front. And so we thought you know we should go introduce ourselves and share some of our songs. So I've got some clips of our songs on, on my headphones. But I should probably warn you that most people who listen to it enjoy it so much that they start to cry and faint. <laughs> So if you need any tissues, I've got a backpack full of tissues. (laughs) I've got really fast reflexes. I'll make sure you don't hit your head on the ground. It, that that was a really good icebreaker. That that one, you know, that worked every time. It was a great so it was a great moment just like or they laugh and the tension would be broken. And be like, yeah, sure. Let's and, let's give it a shot. Let's listen to your band.
0: It's a great pitch because either they're laughing, which is a good thing, or now they're intrigued because they're like, wait, maybe there actually is a slight chance this is gonna make me just cry and need tissues, and I have to find out if that's true. So give me those headphones. <laughs>
1: right. Right. It, it, you
0: know, I think part of the
1: benefit too of walking up to the people in the front of the line is that everyone else is kind of seeing this whole process take place. And so they see you having this conversation and they see people connecting and laughing and having a good time and listening to the songs. So it's like by the time you get to them, usually they kind of have an idea like, oh, yeah, like you know, this is what they're doing. They're listening to the, to the songs. And they also see you like exchanging money and like and signing CDs and taking pictures and stuff. So, like, is this person famous? Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so they would be like, yeah, sure, let's give it a shot. So I had these pair of literally, they're like $8 headphones you can get on Amazon and they're Sony head over the year headphones. You don't want to use in-ears because that's kind of gross for everyone to be sharing, sharing the in-ears. But, um, what we did was we would like, they had the two ends of the headphones and you could break them apart and both of them you could, you could listen to, but that way two friends could share it and listen at the same time. And we found that that worked best even compared to just like having a speaker, having your phone um there's something about like each of them ha- like having their own chance to listen individually but doing it two at a time is a great way to like kind of connect with their friend so like you had them and a friend were listening at the same time it's about 20 30 second long of a clip sometimes i would ask them like you know what's your favorite all time low song so I could kind of gear which song we, we we share with them
0: and so you had then, several uh, songs at the ready based on what their answer was to that question
1: Yep, exactly. We had like five, five different clips of of songs. And I even tested out different parts of the song sometimes just see what people like really responded to. And uh, so as they were listening, usually the groups were like, you know, four or five people or six people. So while two people were listening, that really kind of gives you a chance to start a conversation with the rest of the people. And that's why I'd ask some questions like, so like how is this is your first time all time low show or what's your favorite all time low song? Um, have as, Have you seen all time low before? And you just small talk and just kind of built a relationship to build some rapport. And then when everyone had a chance to listen, then I would ask, so like, what do you guys think? Did you like it? Did you hate it? And 99 times out of hundred, whether they meant it or not, they'd be like, they'd say, uh, yeah, like I really liked it. This is awesome. Uh, where can I, where can I hear more? Like, do you guys have, are you uh, on Spotify? Uh, sometimes people would ask like, do you have a CD? You know, like, well, you know, if you're interested, if you liked it, um, I do have a backpack full of CDs, and this is called Yours Truly. And there's eleven songs on it. Uh, it was produced by the same guys that produced All Time Low and Made a Parade. So it's kind of like if the two of them got together and had a baby, then it would sound <laughs> like this the CD. And I think if you liked if you liked the songs that you just listened to, I think that you definitely really like the CD. Um so there's 11 songs on it. So normally we sell it for $10 and you know if you had an extra $10 on you and you want to support us, we really appreciate it. It goes towards recording new music and going on tour. But that being said, to be honest the reason the main reason I'm out here isn't because I'm trying to sell as many CDs as possible. It's because I want to go on tour with All Time Low and and I want to connect with as many people as possible like you. And so if you know if you had $10 on you and you want to support us, you're awesome. We really appreciate it. But even if you don't have $10, you know, I still want to give you a CD for free, um, just, just as a way to say thank you. And that worked really, really well, like that that approach. Um, we're probably four out of five people that we offered that to, um, or actually, that's, that's probably not accurate. I would say in most groups that we talk to, there's four or five people, and usually two or three people in the group would end up getting a CD for full price. And so... That's how we ended up um, selling twenty-four thousand CDs. And you know, that we did probably give away maybe like a thousand or two thousand CDs, but we saw it as a valuable investment because they cost us, you know, pennies and we made a really great um we had a great impact that, that we made by giving giving out that CD.
0: My goodness, that is such a great idea. Just everything about it. And I love that it can be something that an artist, it's a good way to build a fan base, even if you're starting from zero, because that's the question I get from a lot of artists is. How do I start if I got zero fans? And that's a great way to to have a captive audience of fans that are already going to be predisposed to liking your music. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Because I love this concept and I can see how it would be effective, especially if you put the right kind of pitch around it as you guys did. How do we adapt that to the virtual space though? Now that we're not going to physical concerts anymore, while, while there is no literal line that we are standing in, are there any... Aspects of tour hacking that we can perhaps move into the virtual world and and you know sort of transfer into that space and some principles that artists can use to to still use this principle in some way uh, now that we're all in COVID and we're all in our homes.
1: Mm, I, I love that question because that's the exact same question that I got when I started this business a couple of years ago from so many people who love the story of tour hacking and see how it works and. You know, when I first started working with with artists and and kind of transitioned to, to coaching other artists, is when I started my family and and I was looking at how can I provide for them without being gone for ten or eleven months out of the year, and started you know helping other artists. And one of the first things I did was I reflected. I'm like, okay, what made the biggest impact for us? Tour hacking. I was like, okay, everyone, go do this. I was shouting from the rooftops, go go do this. This is awesome, and. Uh, it don't, still works really well, even though people don't really listen on CDs anymore for the most part, like people still buy CDs at live shows. It's awesome. So for example, um, there's these guys in this band in loving memory, there's two guys in the band. They went out and they did this and made $11,000 in a single month. I was like, awesome. And this was before COVID. Right. So, yeah. uh, but that being said, 99% of the people that I talked to had that exact same question. They said, you know, this is an awesome story. I love the strategy. I can see why it works. I don't want to go out and meet strangers in lines or show that sounds scary. Or, you know, I've got a day job or I've got a family at home. I can't afford to just kind of leave and and go follow these, these tours. What do you recommend? And so kind of went on like a, a quest to try to find a way that we could, we could take the same principles of what we did with tour hacking and apply it online. And, you know, is that possible? and stumbled upon an artist who had was sort of doing this thing i'd never seen before which was a messenger type of campaign it was an ad campaign where basically the point of it was when people click on the ad it starts a conversation and he was just like crushing he was, he had gotten tens of thousands of fans from running this and so i was like man that's really cool uh could we do a trade where like and, and could i teach this to our clients and i sort of took that idea and developed it into what we call virtual tour hacking because really it turns out it's like exactly the same idea as tour hacking but you can do it virtually online what it looks like is you take that initial introduction we did to people online first of all you can the targeting you can do right now is insane on facebook ads instagram ads oh, for sure, you, know, yeah. you can really find people exactly who are fans of of similar artists same way that we would choose artist tours you could you could target their fans and then you could basically share a video that <laughs> the funny thing is it's so like simple um but in obvious but it just works so well is literally the exact same thing like the intro video is usually something along the lines of hey what's up um if you're a fan of all time low um then i think you might like my music too if you're interested we just, we have a new song that i'd love to send to you click on the send message button and i'll send you a song And then when people click on it, then you have a conversation with them and you send the song and really like the exact same thing that we're doing live with tour hacking, connecting with people. You do that through the message conversation. And then at the end of it, you make some sort of offer. You can either offer to bring them into your private community, or you can offer like a CD or offer something on probably on the low end because you just met them. But um, that's what we found has just been like working crazy effective. We've spent, Probably close to $250,000 in advertising, testing different styles of marketing for musicians. And this is by far the thing that's working the best right now, is this messenger marketing. The only issue with it, and it's a serious issue, it's a good problem to have, but it it is a problem, is that literally with 100% of the artists we're working with right now, usually within a week when we launch that campaign, they're getting these messages from new fans who are listening to the songs. And we have this thing called their Intune survey, which is like a framework of what questions do you have and what should the conversation look like? So you can connect with them. And uh, the issue is that usually within a week you're getting too many messages where you personally, you're trying to like keep up with them and you're having these conversations (laughs) back and forth and you just can't like, there's too much demand. Too many people love you and love your music that you literally can't physically keep up with it. And that's when we transition to what we call uh, building your automation machine. And basically what we're able to do is we're able to create a quote unquote AI version of you in the form of a chat bot that has conversations with fans and feels you know, authentic. And don't get me wrong, like you're not trying to,
0: you're not trying uh, to trick like, anybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you're not trying to pretend that, that uh, you're actually a real person. Um, you're being <laughs> like, they know that, that it's an automated thing. But you're able to set it up in a way that's really personalized to to your voice and feels very authentic in a way that they probably haven't experienced before using the same tools that Amazon Echo or Amazon Alexa, I call it Echo because my sister's name is Alexa. So I have to say Echo. (laughs) Um, uh, Using the same tools that Amazon Alexa uses and Google Home to be able to interpret the meaning of what you say, it's using something called NLP, natural language processing. So basically when someone's talking with your your AI chatbot and you send them a song and you say, here's a song, I'd love to hear what you think. If they respond to it and they say, it was dope or it was awesome or I loved it, it was great. Then it's able to interpret that as, oh, it was a positive thing, they liked it. And based on that, it's able to have these different paths of conversations. You can go down, you can filter out the people who aren't really resonating with it and take the people who are and create lookalike audiences to be able to, to hone in your targeting. Um, and so that's like, that's like my my uh, my geekiness coming out because I I, I totally I love I, I love uh, I'm the weird kid in, in high school that liked math and so I like spreadsheets and kind of setting up all these automation campaigns. <laughs> and that's primarily what what we work with uh, nowadays, rather than the actual in-person tour hacking.
0: Wow, that's that's really great. It allows you to scale this idea of tour hacking. It allows you to take this really great concept that at first could only play in the line of a concert hall somewhere, and now. Brings it into cyberspace and gives you an audience of pretty much everybody in the world and allows you to effectively target the ones that might be interested in your music and funnel them in a way that you can find out who the most enthusiastic fans would be. I love it. And I assume that listeners can find out more about how they can set these programs up and how to work with you by going to modern musician, modern hyphen musician.com. Yep. You can go to modern-musician.com
1: and there's some different like free workshops that we have there available to to sign up for. And there's there's probably a page on there that you can submit an application to to work with our team if that's something that you're interested in.
0: That's really great. I'm I'm so enthused by this. I want to learn more about it. I think it's such a cool idea. I love how you took something that is so valuable in the brick and mortar world and found a way to use technology to put it within everyone's reach, particularly now that we're all stuck in our homes during COVID. It's nice for the listeners to know that there are still effective ways they can grow their fan base even without leaving their house. Thanks to the great work of you and your team at Modern Musician. This has been a fantastic conversation, Michael, and I hope that you're not a stranger and we can have you on again soon to keep the conversation going. But in the meantime, I'm excited to ask you our final question. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think the biggest, probably the most fundamental thing to your success, that at least that I've noticed, has been your belief in yourself and kind of selling yourself that it's possible and that you can do this. I think especially at the beginning, when you don't really have a lot of that validation from other people yet, um, it's hard for people who are close to you to even give you that validation because it's sort of like blind faith sometimes. And you really have to dig deep and you have to believe in it yourself. And I just want to encourage anyone that's watching that it's worth it to cultivate that belief and that you can do it. And in fact, it's, you have sort of an obligation to do it for the people that you would impact with your music. Like your music can totally change someone's life. You know, that's the, the level, the level of connection that you can have with your song, with someone that's never met you before. Like you can literally save someone's life and you can, you can really shift things for them. And so, you know, don't, don't let that fear, that doubt, um, get in the way of that and, you know, sell yourself. Like you believe, believe in yourself. You can do it. Um, keep, keep working hard. It's not easy at the beginning, but you absolutely can, can be successful at this.
0: Amen. We got lots of great educational resources on the modern musician platform. Check out our guests work at www.modern-musician.com. Michael Walker, everybody. Michael, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for having me man. You're you're a great interviewer. This that's a lot of fun. That is so very kind of you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.